Still morning. Uh, it's great to be here. Uh, super excited for the opportunity to share God's word with all of you. Um, I want to appreciate Pastor Harry in absentia uh, and just the entire leadership of the church uh, for this opportunity for inviting me to share the word of God with you. It's a, it's a heavy responsibility and a heavy privilege. And also all the amazing volunteers in the church uh, for the amazing ways that um, you've been serving this community, you know. Uh, I pray that the Lord will reward your labor of love. Amen. Amen. Can you all hear me clearly? All right, good. Um, As Jeff said, thank you for the introduction. I'm married for like 12 years now. We have two kids, and uh, they couldn't join today. They couldn't come in person, but I, I imagine they are watching. So, hi, everyone. Hi, kids. Uh, thanks for your love and generosity. I believe God has given me a word for you all today. Um, Pastor Herrick shared with me how you all have been leaning in uh, this year, pressing more into God. And I believe this word is going to be really helpful to kind of prepare you for the next season that we are entering into. And talking about seasons, today is the last Sunday this year and the last day of this year, right? Um, are Are you grateful for anything? Do you have anything you are thankful to God for? I want you to take 10 seconds, turn to the person next to you and just share one thing that you are grateful to God for this year. 10 seconds, let's do that. What are you grateful for this year? Working well. Good, uh, good. Growing a family. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Family. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Yeah. You know, whatever emotion you are taking into the next year. Um, one dominant emotion you have to go into the next year, which is gratitude. There's always something to be thankful for. God is good through every season, and the highs and the lows. So I just want to say thank you, God, for how you've brought us through this year, and we thank you for what you have ahead of us. We are grateful for being with us through the highs and the lows, and the fire and the water, and we are here standing because you made a way. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give us some praise for the year? You can clap. You can lift your hands. You can say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. It's worth celebrating. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. All right. Let's get into the word of God. Um, and before I get in, I have a question for you guys. Um, do we have any basketball fans here? You follow basketball? Basketball, yeah, all right. You have a few people here. All right, so that's a little bit about me. I enjoy watching basketball. And I typically watch on TV, like everybody. Uh, Once in a while, I go to in-game, in-person games, if I find a free ticket. (laughs) And that shows you my level of commitment and fandom to basketball. (laughs) And when we get these tickets, usually we get seats that are high in the stand, right? Far from the court. And uh, apart from the energy that you feel when you are in the crowd, I, I usually wonder, isn't it better to be at home and watch on TV where I can really see things up close? 
Well, something happened in March this year. I went on a retreat with some other men, friends from my church. I went on a retreat to Rappahannock, about two hours away or so. Uh, we went camping in March. It was a bit cold. Uh, it was a bit cold. Yeah, my, my, my toes were freezing. Um, but uh, we were having a good time, and we are all connecting. And then I got a text from my pastor. And the text was that, Yemi, I got free tickets, caught side seats for a game, Washington Wizards and Sacramento Kings. I was like, okay. He said, oh, you can hit buffet. I said, okay. <laughs> I loved my brothers. I loved my friends. I was like, sorry. So guess what my response is? I, could, I wasn't going to miss an opportunity to see a game from the court side. So I said goodbye to my friends. Because <laughs> the game was that evening, and I headed back to D.C. to catch the game. And it was wonderful. You can see yeah, it was very, very close to the action. Uh, yes. So we're not on the first row, but that, we're on the second row, and we could see everything. It was beautiful. And the uh, next picture is me and my pastor. Yeah, that's my pastor, Pastor Heron Graham. And we had a great time. There was food. We took pictures, and it was great to see these uh, athletes I see on TV, just like practicing and all that stuff. Now, not all of us here are basketball fans, as I can see from the raise of hands, right? <laughs> but don't we all love to have closer access to the things that we care about? Don't we all love to be nearer the center of action, to be up close with no filters, you know, no distance? We have an interesting scene from the scripture that was just read to us. Thank you for reading that scripture, those two scriptures. Exodus 24, 1-2. Now he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Heron, Nadab and Habiu, who are Aaron's sons, and 70 of Israel's elders, and worship at a distance. Moses alone shall come near the Lord, the elders shall not come near, and neither shall the people come up with him. So you see, God had invited Moses and 73 other men to come up to him on the mountain. His glory had come down on Mount Sinai. It was scary. There was earthquakes and rumblings and fire and shaking. Almighty God was on the mountain. He was going to give them commandments and ordinances. That's where the Ten Commandments came from. So if you can, can, you, can you try to picture that? Picture if you are if you are in that moment. What will you feel? Right? I imagine it was really scary. But it was the Lord, he was the one who delivered them from Egypt. He was the one who parted the Red Sea, and he wanted to meet with them. And then he gave an invitation, but only to a select few. He said, you can, some of the three people and Moses, come up. But he gave a caveat, worship me, but at a distance. If you were there, how would you feel? Would you prefer to be part of the crowd, down on the mountain, watching from afar? Would you have loved to be part of the 73 that went up? Or would you have loved to be the one who goes with Moses and moves even closer? I don't know about you, but I don't like to worship from a distance. I want to worship up close. So this scripture made a deep impression, deep impression on me many, many years ago when I was a teenager. There was a song back then sung by Don Moen. I don't know how many of you know Don Moen. It was this song that says, I just want to be where you are, dwelling daily in your presence. I don't want to worship from afar. Draw me near to where 
you are. Only Moses was permitted to come near. So now this was the old covenant. They couldn't come close, of course, for their own protection. Why? Because their sinful humanity could not stand before the holiness of God. And that is the same problem. After Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, there were no more visits in the cool of the evening from the Creator. Right? Man had lost access. And then God initiated this recovery strategy. So what you see is that the God, the Godhead, God created humans, he extended the circle of love. Created human beings with will to love and to be loved, to know and to be known. And then sin came and separated us from him. But God's heart for intimacy, for friendship, for fellowship has never changed. And that's why the Son of God came as the Son of Man. So that we, don't, we no longer have to worship God from a distance. You might not be Moses. You might not feel you are special like Moses. Or you are not a high priest that can only go once a year into the Holy of Holies. But guess what? Because we have Jesus, if we believe in him, what happens to us? We become a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. God's special people. And now we have access. And so we see this prayer that Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, showing God's heart for what he would desire. John 17, 1 to 3 talks about Jesus spoke these words. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And verse 3 is one of the most powerful statements I've ever heard. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So you see here, Jesus defines the essence of eternal life. And if you are here and you believe in Jesus, you have eternal life. First John chapter 5, verse 12 says, He who has the Son has life. And so Jesus says, what's the purpose of eternal life? That, you, that they may know you. And when you say that word know, it's not head knowledge. All right? My daughter is amazing. She's seven years old. We had a Bible trivia uh, on Christmas Day, and she was answering questions like, oh, <laughs> like questions that you would not expect a 30-year-old to know. It was beautiful. Like, people were really shocked. But that is still... It's great, okay? But that is still head knowledge. It has to go into our heart. So when he says know you, that they may know you, the same, that Greek word is the Greek word ginosko. Somebody said ginosko. Ginosko, that's the Greek word used for know here. It's the same Greek word used in Matthew chapter 1, verse 25. It talks about Joseph marrying, marrying Mary, even though he was afraid, after the angel showed up in the dream. Bible says that he did not know her. He did, he did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. All right? So that intimacy, there was no intimacy between Joseph and Mary until Jesus was born. It's the same know that he has here. All right? So this know is more than knowledge. It's the, it, the only thing that, it's, that can attempt to describe it is the way you have between the husband and his wife. That's, the, that's what this know means, intimacy with God. Knowing God, that has been his desire from the beginning, that we can know him. I found this scripture in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. 
I love the scripture. Uh, I, I think I saw it when I, was, when, I, when I was a teenager. It says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in this I delight, says the Lord. Do you see that? So glory is, is, is King James for boast or take pride in. What, 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 are you taking, what, what, what do you take pride in? A lot of people take pride in their accomplishments, in their career, in their kids, educational degrees, in their network, or their net worth. He says, if you want to glory or take pride in anything, that you understand and that you know me. So that word know again is the Hebrew word yada. Is the Hebrew word used when you said, and Adam knew his wife. It's deep intimacy. That's what the Lord wants, to understand and to know him. Isn't that amazing? That we can know the God of the universe, that he desires to be known and understood. So my question to you today, Southron Baptist Church, do you know him? Before you rush to say, yes, of course, I, 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 I know the Lord, I know the Lord. Let me ask you a few questions. Do you really know him? Is he your friend? Are you his friend? You know, friendship is also usually mutual, right? When was the last time he confided in you? When was the last time God came and he confided and said, yeah, me get up, I want to talk to you. When was the last time that happened? When was the last time you got caught up talking with him that you lost all sense of time? When was the last time he interrupted your plan and asked, I would like to talk to you? When was the last time you were living in the place of prayer and you felt him tugging you and saying, can you stay a little bit longer? He does that. Can you stay a little bit longer? When was the last time you felt his sadness and pain about the things that are not consistent with his will that are happening in the world? I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about being in church. I'm not talking about going through the motions or checking the box. So the good news is that Jesus came and gave us his life so that we can know him. We already saw that in John 17, 3, right? The sad news is that many people, only very few of us, only very few of us take advantage of the access that we have with him. So in Exodus, God said, don't come near. Worship at a distance. But after the resurrection of Jesus, what did he do? He sent his spirit into our hearts. Galatians 4, 6 says, Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So when we say yes to Jesus, he comes into our spirit. We become one with him. That is the truth. That is reality. But I want to make a distinction between the reality and our experience. Are you following me? Are you tracking with me? The difference between the reality and our experience. Reality is truth. It's objective. It doesn't change. It is personified in a person called Jesus. So the reality is that there's no more distance between us and God. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's no more distance. He lives in us by his spirit. We are in him. How much closer can that get? Almost like a pregnant woman. How closer can a pregnant woman be? To the child in her womb. 
We are in him, he is in us. But you see, the reality does not usually match our experience. For example, God says, I will forgive all your sins if you confess. Correct? But many people go around walking, still feeling unforgiving, feeling guilt, experientially, even though God has said, I forgive you. Another example, God says to you, you are fearfully and you are wonderfully made. But then you still walk around with self-hate and feeling like you are, not, you are not good enough. So that's reality, God's word, and your experience, how you feel. So with regards to intimacy with Jesus, he's so close, closer, closer than the air that we breathe. But experientially, many believers don't experience him like that. James chapter 4, verse 8 says, Draw near to me, and I will do what? I will draw near to you. So experientially, we are as close to him as we actually want to be. So today, what I sense in my heart is that the Lord is calling us to close the distance. And that distance is not a distance between you and God. There's no distance again. Jesus has come and died. The distance is the distance between the reality of what is possible and your experience now. Are you following me? It's calling us to close that distance. In my own life, I had that call to intimacy as a teenager. I was already, I grew up in church, all that stuff, like these wonderful folks. When I was a teenager, after high school, I began to wonder what life was going to be about, trying to figure out my place in the world. I began to feel a drawing to God. People like Abraham, Enoch, and uh, Moses, stories about them just affected me in a powerful way. Have you heard about Enoch? How many of you know Enoch here? God came to visit Enoch. And then Enoch saw God off. They were just, you know how you see your friend off? And as they were going, they kept going, and then Enoch forgot to come back home. Since God took him, he was not. Abraham was called a friend of God. God confided in him. Moses, the Bible says that God spoke to Moses as a man spoke to his friends. So as a teenager, June 27 of that year, I knelt down and I said, Jesus, I've been in church for a while, but I don't really know you. I want you to talk to me. I want to talk to you. And when I prayed that prayer that, that beautiful afternoon, I thought that when I opened my eyes, I would see angels and hear a sound and God saying, yes, I, we can be friends. But that did not happen. It was really quiet. There was no angelic epiphany, no spectacular indication that I had just signed up for an adventure of a lifetime. Well, I promise you, I stumbled on the pilgrim's way, the true ultimate quest, and things have never been the same. So I, as I began to walk with God, I began to learn of his ways, began to talk, learn how to talk to him, I began to actually hear God myself. It was beautiful, and I'm, and I'm still on the journey today. And so if you, don't, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can begin. There's always a beginning for that. We can draw inspiration in the Bible about people who have been intimate with God. You know? So people like Paul, Philippians 3.10. Paul said that I may know him. Again, that know is genosco. That I may know him, verse 10, and the power of his resurrection. So another guy I love so much in the scriptures, his name is David. David the, David the psalmist, David the prophet, David the king. He says in Psalm 27 verse 4, we don't have that hope in Psalm 27 verse 4. He said, one thing have I desired, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. So 
So David is saying, follow, if you, follow me, one thing have I asked. One thing I desire, and that I will seek. So one thing, desire and seeking. I think the thing about us is that we also desire. We feel like, oh, I wish I could be close to God like that person, you know? But we don't seek. That's the issue. We don't seek and we don't pursue. We get easily distracted by many other pursuits that we have. Someone said that pursuit is the true proof of desire. So you see David saying in Psalm 63 verse 8, My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand opposes me. My soul, I think about a car chasing another car. When I see the scripture, like a car chasing another car, my soul is following hard after you. I'm not going to miss you. I'm going after you, God. And that just, that just pulls my heart. So I want to encourage you today. We have to decide and determine to pursue intimacy with Jesus. And if you don't know what that means experientially in this, in, in this, in this house, you can begin. If you're a young person here and you're wondering what life is all about, you're beginning to think about, well, what's your place in the scheme of things? What should I give my life to? The Lord is inviting you to pursue intimacy with him. And I promise you, you will never regret it. So how do you do that? One, just desire it. And pray until you desire it. Pray until your desire becomes the prevailing force in your life. Are you following me? Number two, begin a conversation with God. And I'm not talking about prayer. I'm not talking about religious prayer. You know, those of us that grew up in church, we can easily just start praying without thinking. We have a way we go. Dear Lord, I thank you. You can even not be, you know. I'm talking about having a conversation with God. God, how are you feeling today? God, I'm feeling sad now. God, I want to talk to you. Have a conversation with God. Begin, I want to be your friend. Number three, give God your attention. Everything in, everything in the Christian walk is powered by the Holy Spirit. Did you hear what I said? There's nothing we bring to God. There's no human effort, no flesh. He cannot take it. Everything we have for, to give to God comes by the power of His Spirit. The only thing He cannot do for us is give us giving Him, his atten- giving him our attention. If you want to learn how to pray, He's the one that helps you to pray. If you want to love, He loves through you. Everything, he does it through us. Christ is living out his life through us. But the one thing he can do is to force your attention. How would you like it if your spouse is like, you're always saying, I want to talk to you, I want to talk to you. And they're not giving that's, that's a proof of friendship. So if you begin to give God your attention, you find sometimes I say, God, let's talk. And you're just turning to him. You begin to see what's going to start happening in your life. Say, for it's God who works in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. Amen. Are you still here? Yes. <laughs> All right. There's some, something I want to warn you about before I, before I close today. Oftentimes, as, as we begin to walk with God, um, we get it happens to all of us. Okay? Especially, especially in the age we live in now with all the quick fixes and the instant gratification and all the things that pull for our attention, social media, just endless entertainment. When I was growing up, you have to go buy cassettes if you want to watch movies. Now you, just, you can just watch movies, just, just a click of a button, so much distraction. So if you are going to walk with God, I want you to be prepared for distractions. And there are some of us here too who are walking with God and we've gotten distracted. This happened to me a few years ago. True story. A few years ago, 
I slid into distraction and jadedness and apathy. I, became, I, I got caught up in the cares of this life. I was still doing the good things. I was coming to church. I was serving, lifting my hands in worship, all that good stuff. But my heart had grown cold. I could not sense his pleasure anymore. Once in a while, God's voice would break through my distractions and call me to refocus, but it was hard. I wasn't sure I could give him what he really wanted. He wanted to control, he, he, he wanted to regulate and run my life. I was like, God, let me give you this, and then I control the rest. He said, no, I want everything. I want everything. And so I kept progressing the things of life, so you would think, but my soul was just shriveling, and I couldn't sense him in my heart. I was, keeping, I was still going through the motions, but it was not, I knew in my heart I was, not, I, was not, I was not intimate with him anymore. And then one night, something happened. And I want you to know what happened. I was watching NBA playoffs past midnight. <laughs> it was the playoffs and my favorite team just lost, Golden State Warriors. They lost, and I felt so sad and despondent. How many of you have felt bad when your team lost before? As in, you felt that pain. I felt pain in my heart. It was crazy. I was like, what is... I was like, my head was saying, yeah, what's going on? These guys don't even know you exist. And you're feeling this... <laughs> so I was there past midnight, sitting on the stairs and like just thinking, processing my pain. And then the voice of the Lord broke through. You know what the Lord said to me? He said, do you feel like this about my kingdom? He said, do you feel like this about the lost and the suffering in the world? He said, my children are suffering losses in the battle of life. Do you feel as terrible as this as you feel for a basketball game? Guys, that broke me. That broke me. I realized how far I'd fallen. Where did my passion for God go? How come I feel so strongly about basketball than for the things on God's heart? So I knew that something had to change that day. I, by the grace of God, I was able to make a 180 degree turn. And life has not remained the same. Maybe you are here and you, and you know what it feels like to be close to the Lord before, and not to, to just, for him to just be your preoccupation. And then life happened. Maybe you got married and you had kids, and you have to do all the school runs, and work is there, all the blessings of God, all the good things. And then you left the pursuit of the giver of all good things. Maybe you are here, but like me, you are, you are so jaded now. There are calluses around your heart. There's apathy, indifference to the things of God. Jesus is calling you this morning to close that distance. He's calling us back to true communion. It's not, it, see, it's not about emotionalism or just you know, going through the motion. It's about a deep consciousness inside you that you know God, that you have him on speed dial. And you can say, God, why is this happening? So what do you do when you are distracted from the pursuit of God and you lose your passion of intimacy with God? What do you do? So if you begin to walk with God, that's going to happen occasionally. I hopefully not a lot of times. So you have to know what do you do, all right? I will share with you quickly four things God has taught me to do when I start losing that intimacy and connection. As it, and it is in Revelations chapter 2 from 1, 1 to 5 as I close. This is a lot of scripture. <laughs> but let's do from verse 4. Can you all see verse 4? All right. So this is the Ephesian church, a very wonderful church. 
They were, very, they, were, they, were, they were laboring hard. Jesus was praising them for their patience and perseverance and how much they were laboring for his namesake. But he said, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have done what? Left your first love. Verse 5 says, remember, therefore, from where you are falling, repent and do the first works, or else I will come quickly to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So from verse 5, God taught me four things to do if you want to come back to true communion. The first thing is remember. Just remember where you're falling from. Remember how things used to be. Are you following me? Just recall those days of sweet communion. Just call it to mind. The second thing is to repent. Repent is usually, most times accompanied by emotions, but repentance is not emotional. It doesn't have to be emotional. Are you following me? It's not just crying. It's turning around, changing your mindset. Okay? So repent. You can, just, you can repent by your will. You don't have to feel you repented when you, when you started crying. and you know, No, no. Okay? Repent. Ask for forgiveness. The third thing, receive forgiveness. A lot of us struggle with receiving forgiveness. All right? If I give you this, let me do this experiment. Oh, I wish I had money on me. Take. What's your name? Nicholas, take. You see that? This is giving. I'm giving him my Bible. God is giving you forgiveness. Take, take. And what did, what did he do? He stretched out his hand. That's receiving. So a lot of us, when we, when we, thank you so much, Nicholas. When we ask God for forgiveness, we want to feel forgiven to know we are forgiven. All right? No. It doesn't work that way. When we ask God to forgive us, we have to receive it by an act of the will and just confess that to ourselves. I receive forgiveness. Especially when you start feeling sad about the opportunity you've missed and the mistakes you've made and you have self-pity and you just, I receive forgiveness. And the last thing is to restart. You said do the first works. So just go back to doing the things you used to do. All right? If you used to wake up at 5 a.m. to pray, wake up again and say, God, I'm back. It's been a while. And keep doing that. And it will break through again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So in closing, is that my third closing? <laughs> I promise you I'm going to close soon. So you remember that basketball game I talked about? Courtside seats are so pricey. I don't know how many of you have bought courtside seats before. I don't think I can buy with my own money. <laughs> well, access costs. You have to pay for access. And access to God, access to the throne of grace, also, it's also very costly. Do you know that? It's costly. But you know what? The price has been paid for us. The price was the blood of Jesus. So we can come as we are. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain grace and find, to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So my challenge to us today, church, is to use our access. Start using it the more. Don't wait until you have a problem or a crisis to come to the throne of grace. Come every day and say, Jesus, I'm here visiting. And you can even do all that. You don't have to leave. You can even sit there with him and just stay at the throne of grace. So I believe as I'm speaking today, that God is tearing deep in your heart something. And that's an invitation from him, calling you to adventure with him. If you're used to journey with God and you're used to experience intimacy, but now things have gotten cold... I'm encouraging you to begin again, okay? As we think about 2024, 
Will it be the year when we passionately pursue the intimacy with Jesus? Or will it be another year of just going through the motions, of just checking the box, of just getting by? But there is much more for us. So I want to encourage you today to join me. That's what I'm doing this last day of the year in rededicating our lives to pursuing the heart of God. There's more than just saying yes to Jesus, coming to church, trying to live the Christian life. There's much more. There's much more than that. All right? He's saying to us today, seek my face. Will our hearts say to him, your face, Lord, I'll seek. He's drawing you today. Will you run after him? So I'm going to hand this uh, conversation with a prayer I read many years ago. It was written by A.W. Tozer in The Pursuit of God. That prayer set me on fire. And after I prayed that prayer, uh, the worship team is going to come up and lead us in a song. But as we are singing, God will be doing some things in your heart. There are three sets of people God will be touching. Number one are those who are saying, God, I want to be your friend. I didn't know it was possible for God to be my best friend. God can be your best friend. And there's no age limit. You don't have to be 50 or 40 to start. You can start as 8. Samuel was 8 years old when he heard the voice of the Lord for the first time. Okay? So there are people that are saying, God, I want to be your friend. So just start the conversation with him. He's going to be anointing you and giving you grace to start. The second set of people are those that are saying, God, my heart is jaded. My heart is apathetic. It's been long since I felt your warmth and your embrace. As I sing that song, draw me close to you. His hand will come upon you. His love will flood your heart and it will break the stronghold of apathy and jadedness. Okay? And the third set of people are those who don't know the Lord as Savior and Lord. It's so easy. Just say, Jesus, forgive me my sins. I'm all in. I'm all in. Come into my heart. So if you sing that song, just get ready. Don't do it like this is what we do after, after the sermon. We just sing and then we leave. No, this is a time for you to respond to the Lord and for him to touch you. If you want to and you want to come to the front to just surrender yourself to the Lord, feel free to come to the front. I believe there are deacons that can pray for you if you also need prayer, okay? Just be free. It's the house of the Lord and is happy and is rejoicing over you today. Hallelujah. So let's close our eyes as we pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can you please get on the keyboard? Yeah, just get on the keyboard and play a string. Thank you, Lord. So if you're here and you just want to, you are just saying, Lord, I want to restart. I want to just start remembering, start uh, repenting, and start asking for grace, receiving forgiveness and grace to restart as I pray for us. Oh, God, we have tasted your goodness. And it has both satisfied us and made us thirsty for more. We are painfully conscious of our need for further grace. We are ashamed of our lack of desire. Oh God, the triune God, we want to want you. We long to be filled with longing. We thirst to be made thirsty still. Show us your glory that we may know you indeed. Begin in mercy a new work of love within us. Say to our souls today, open our ears to hear you today. Say, rise up, my love. 
my fair one, and come away with me. Then give us grace to rise and follow you. Up from the misty lowlands, the desert and the wilderness, where we have wandered for so long. We thank you for your love. We thank you for closing the distance. Thank you for coming to die for us. Thank you for the mystery of Christ in us, the hope of glory. Thank you because now we are in you. And we ask for grace to close the distance between the reality of what you've done and our experience. We give you praise in Jesus' name.